I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lynch and Rouge Cycling Podcast for the World Championships Men's Time Trial Recap. A really exciting race. Like these long TTs, they've got to keep <laughs> doing them. I think they're way more exciting. The tension, you just get extra tension throughout the races, particularly when it's close like this. From Sterling to Sterling, they do a loop back. They finish up Sterling Castle, which is 800 meters, 6% pave, 12% sections. It's all out on A roads uh, before with some little rises. But some of them, you know, like they, they were powering out over them, not even in the extensions, or at least Tarling was. So uh, an interesting course. The weather conditions, I don't know exactly, but it looked pretty stable for the main contenders there was no downpour on one and dry roads for the other so a fairly fair course i think i think so as well there were moments when we saw riders they've got these disc wheels in the back of their bike and we did see on the straight sections in a certain spot the earlier parts of the time trial that some riders really had to hold their bike because the wind was hitting their their uh their disc wheel at the back basically so that's a a one thing that mattered i don't know how that evolved throughout the time trial though but if I had to guess, I don't think there was a major difference in that throughout the entire parkour. So I reckon most of the riders had similar conditions. And going into this time trial, to be honest, I didn't really feel like I had a clear view of who was going to take the reins here because we heard people talk about a slow type of parkour the last few days. And then we also thought about, okay, normally this type of profile really fits the likes of a a Remco, the lights of a, a Wout van Aert, even a Gannar could do well, but those hills might be worse for him. So we had a lot of opinions on that. And you you came out with Josh Starling. What was the reason that you selected Josh Starling as your pick? Because uh, I like him. That's mainly, <laughs> mainly it. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, yeah, oh, no, but also because I, I saw just familiarity. Like in other sports, there is a home a real home ground advantage and what does that mean and why does it exist it's not huge but teams win more at home maybe it's familiarity it's less travel it's motivation and certainly i knew for sure i knew for sure he would have targeted this and prepared specifically for this event yeah whereas a wout van Aert, tour de france just had a kid he's not prepared specifically for the last two months for this event uh Remco himself, he's got the Vuelta afterwards. Stefan Kung just did the tour, didn't impress me. So it was basically, I think he's a huge talent. I think this guy is, is, could be the next Cancellara. Yeah. And I know Cancellara today wouldn't win all the races Cancellara won back in the day. That's a separate discussion because people like Pogacar exist now. But I think Tarling could be the next Cancellara. And so no time like the present to show that. That was my rationale for thinking he'd do well, as well as the question marks over Kung on a one-hour TT. Van Aert's prep, Remco looked a bit sus in the road race. Ghana, as we discussed before, he didn't do as well despite winning the individual pursuit gold. He only beat Biggin by five hundredths. But you could look at it the other way, like we said in the preview, which means he's yep. preparing for the road race of a one-hour effort versus a four-minute effort, completely different energy systems. And so it's a 
good thing he wasn't too dominant in the IP. Um, and so the, and the odds reflected that. With Remco the narrow favourite, Van Aert second favourite, then I think Gana Kung much of a muchness. Tiling was a bit longer, I think. I think so as well. Now, because this is a longer time trial, we had some riders like Van Aert that went earlier. Tarling, that went earlier than the other riders. It's about, well, I don't know what the difference was, but about half, half an hour. hour. Yeah. The difference between their starts is how I would say it was. That didn't necessarily influence the race too much from how I viewed it, but it did give an odd dynamic, as in we had our first reference times really when, when Tarling and Wout van Aert came across the, the T1 section. And before we, usually we go to the results straight away, but I do want to talk about the story here for a second. We saw Tarling going over the line, unsurprisingly taking T1, because before him the likes of an Osgrin and so forth had passed the Cataneo, but a Tarling would have been a name where you at least, would have said he would have taken T1 at that point in the race. Yeah. Then Wout van Aert crossed the first one, and I swear he was, was he like 30 seconds behind already? 30 seconds, yeah. And that's, you know, that, that's, there's no other way to look at it that that's not going to win you the race, because 30 yep. seconds there, unless Tiling went out and completely blew up, and he actually was quicker than Garner and Remco, they look like there's no way van Aert's winning this race, and that was confirmed when Ghana and Remco went through T1, and they at T1 were first and second. Ghana four seconds ahead of Remco, six seconds ahead of Tarling, two seconds, sorry, yeah, Avonapol only two seconds ahead of Tarling, which means that that's, that's the pace to win the race. And 30 seconds is not, you know, we saw in Leuven, within 10, 12, 15 seconds, that's a pacing plan where maybe you can make that back up. And I know it's a long TT, anything can happen, but yeah, not happening. And T2, the gap, for, it actually switched around with Remco. And there's a long time, 25 minutes between T1 and T2. Remco, he gained, I've got to do math, so it's hard for me, as you know, 4 plus 12. <laughs> Remco gained 16 seconds on Ghana between T1 and T2, uh, now 12 seconds ahead of Ghana, and they both took more time on Tarling, I believe, yes. Yes. Remco was 25 seconds ahead of Tarling. So it was clear that Tarling probably also wasn't winning the race because you would say the course was marginally slower with more hills at the back end. And so that's all advantage Avonapol with his light, uh, lighter frame compared to Tarling and Ghana. And it was really between those three, Benji. Like Van Aert at T2 was uh, a minute and 26 seconds so he's just gone and not just from the podium or winning he's gone from the podium like he's nowhere near yeah. tarling and not uh not even going to come fourth so yeah it was just it was really exciting and we narrowed in between around t3 or that region we see ghana catching up to pagacha and he gets a nice <laughs> toe in which is perfectly fine mate you're allowed to do that and afterwards pagacha I feel, I feel like he was just trolling. He was trying to pass Ghana again for memes on the left side, and then pass he just him. blew up. Yeah. You gotta get out of his wheel to pass him. <laughs> he tried, okay? He tried. It was funny for a second. But there was this moment during the race, and I don't know how you perceived that moment, but I think it was between T2 and T3, where Emko Evenepoel was basically having his hand on his right side and pushing down like calma, calma kind of behavior towards the team car. Is that, you reckon, because they're shouting too much? or because he thought he was going too fast and said, I need to go a bit slower? No, no, no. He's talking to the car. He's talking to yeah. the car 100%. I think if, so. If he was just talking to him, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. He got out of aero position to tell him to shut the fuck up. And it's not his... I don't know if it's... 
because he, he just put that YouTube video up and, you know, listen, Remco, welcome to the big leagues, my man. <laughs> you might be good at cycling, but welcome to the big leagues. Um, there's some bigger fish here in the media space. <laughs> anyway, that was a great video. I watched it last night. And yeah. um, I don't know if Kern, what's his name, Pilgrim? Belgium, Is he in the Belgian car or not allowed? I think he's there because Mathieu Haber is there for Wout van Aert in the car. And I recall there being a trainer also for Remco. So I'm guessing it's Kunt Pelgrim and not the likes of Klaas Lodewijk because Pelgrim was also in that YouTube video with Remco is he Belgian? doing his TT stuff. Yes. Okay. But, but the other that. guys as well. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, Luke is saying he's Dutch. Benji, so you, are, you doing is he Danny, Dutch? are you doing a Danny Van Poppel? I'm not okay with that. Is he actually <laughs> Dutch? I didn't know. <laughs> oh my god! Look at look at the, how the turns have tabled. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> whoever was in the car was getting told to be quiet because they were obviously doing a Mario in his ear, and Remco said, "Calm, I got it under control." He did the uh, Ronaldo and LeBron, calm down, and that was very exciting. You never never seen that in a time trial before. Anyway, T three, Ghana's taken some time back on Remco Evenepoel. Not much. Uh, two seconds or so, it could have been the draft of Poggy that was that two seconds. But it means this isn't a done deal at all. And then it's all going to be who has the legs for the final Sterling Castle. Tarling's gone into the hot seat. He set a time of 56.07, averaging 51 kph. Smoked everyone behind him. He puts 49 uh, seconds into Van Aert. He's got at least third locked up. Yeah. And now second and first. Ganner goes on Sterling Castle, does a pretty, he does it much, well, not much, he does it quicker than Tarling, a really good time. He beats him by over 30 seconds, and then it's all up to Remco Evenepoel. We eventually see him, I will say, we'll get into the, yeah. And Remco Evenepoel rides up the cobbles or pave or whatever you want to call them to win his first ITT World Championships with a time of 55-19, 12 seconds ahead of Ganner in second, and like 45 seconds ahead of Tarling in third, nearly averaging 52 kph and consistent splits. He was, yeah, just he obviously pasted brilliantly, Remco, and um, a masterclass performance, a deserved winner, and a big bounce back from the road race disappointment last weekend, Benji. Yes, certainly. I, I do want to correct here for a second. You mentioned they were cobbles on the last hill. They're imposters, okay? The true cobbles lie in Belgium. The Romans didn't build them. The That's Flemish it. people How built them. How do you know them. the Romans didn't build them? You heard of Hadrian's Wall, Because the Belgians War, did. <laughs> Actually, it's the Hadrian's Belgians Wall. Build built them. I don't fucking know, man. It's probably the Romans that built it here, but... Yeah, it's the, yeah, the Romans built it. Of course they built it, but for the sakes of this argument, they are not. But anyway, Edemko Evenepoel on those cobbles, he didn't have the fastest time on the last segment, which I found pretty odd. I was like, he's going really fast up this hill. And it's not much quicker than Ghana. The other Belgian had the fastest time on the last segment. What does that mean for Van Aert, do you think? Van Aert was 12th at T1. 12th. And then progressively at T2, 8th, T3, 6th. T1 to T3, Van Aert was 6th. And then, yeah, first, not by March, by like 500, by half a second ahead of Remco, but still first on T3 to the finish, which isn't just the climb, by the way. That's also like some flat before the climb. Yeah, did he... Did he leave something in the tank? I mean, you can say he messed up his pacing, but yeah. he lost by a minute 37. That's not pacing. I, I think he messed up his pacing a little bit, but I also think it wouldn't have mattered for yeah, that's the victory. Yeah, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. 
Would it have changed anything when it comes to the uh, overall results? I think he might. Yeah, he he could have come maybe. close to fourth or something, but podium was out of the question regardless of what was happening. He just wasn't good enough today. And McNulty getting fourth is uh, quite surprising as well, but we got to focus on the winner for a second here. At MQ Evenepoel, yeah. the youngest winner of a ITT World Championships ever, the first Belgian ever to win the World Championships ITT, two World Champion jerseys in a row, as in road race last year, ITT this year. He focused on the ITT way more than the road race this time around because he really wanted to win the ITT this time around. He delivers that. But do you reckon this, this great victory at the ITT displays anything towards the Velta? For Emco. Yeah? Uh, not really. I don't know. Like He said in that <laughs> video, he says he looks like a bodybuilder on the TT bike. Does that mean he thinks he has weight to lose? Look pretty, I don't know, like, it's, he's definitely in good shape. He's definitely, his threshold power must, to beat, this, let's clarify, this was a flat course. This is not a hilly, this is not a hilly course. Yeah, they finished on a hill, but this is a flat course and hill, less hilly than Harrogate. And he just beat Ganner on this. And Ganner, I think, did a good time. And tiling, I think, is, is you know, that tiling result in five years, you'll be like, that wasn't an upset. It's an, it may be, look like an upset today, but in five years, it won't look like an upset. So I think Remco must be pushing huge numbers. Um, and so, yeah, he obviously seems to be reasonably on track for the, for the Vuelta because they don't race the Vuelta. Well, GC's not decided on a criterion course like the World Champs Road Race. Uh, but yeah, Ghana, very close. And yeah, a great performance from him too. A deserved second. And Tarling, as I said, 48 seconds behind. He, he cut, uh, his first medal, 19 years old. Incredible performance, and uh, McNulty, I'll read out the top 10. McNulty, fourth, 127, 10 seconds ahead of Van Aert in fifth. Oliveira, 15 oh. seconds behind Van Aert in sixth. He always top 10s world championships, the 34-year-old Portuguese uh, domestique at Movistar. I think he's really good, by the way, Oliveira. I really think, like, Ineos, or I, I'd be surprised. He'd probably re-sign at Movistar. I know he's he? 30, 34, but Erviti was a good rider nearly until he's 41 years old. Isn't he what Castro Viejo was before Ineos yes. made him a climber? Yes, he's a little bit bigger, but he's not that. He's not as big as Erviti, and he can still climb well. So, I think he's a really good rider. And um, but I'm obviously probably they know that they'll probably extend him because he does. He does literally all the hard work for them. Dennis in seventh. <laughs> he had a. He would have come sixth, uh, but he had a mechanical, maybe even fifth. But he had a mechanical and had to change bike on the last climb. wasn't too happy at the finish. Catania 8th on 157, Björk 9th on 159, Geraint Thomas actually 10th, one second ahead of Foss. The gap, Benji, between 6th and 11th is 13 seconds in a one-hour TT. Yeah. 6th and 11th. It's really tight gaps uh, there. And then, the you know, Avonapol Ghana were their own tier, Tarling yep. was his own tier, and then... Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting how close people can be over such a long TT. Exactly. Do you reckon that you can judge Tarling on the fact that when we looked at Tarling's time trial, halfway through, once he was reaching T3, I started to think, okay, he's not going to win here because he was losing time on, on other people. I think he lost four seconds or five seconds to Dennis at T3 compared to his previous time check. And then he lost like five to six seconds or something to Oliveira at the last time check. So... That, to me, gave the idea that, okay, he's, uh, 
he's not going to win this time trial because someone else will probably be more consistent when it comes to their pacing plan towards the finish line and both Ganna and Evenepoel were that basically but I'm not sure that's an indicator that Tarling's not good at long time trials I think that He's still good at long time trials and maybe he just went a slight bit too hard at the start. And he's 19, eh? <laughs> like, yeah. We can't forget that. Last year, this dude was riding the junior time trial championships and won the damn thing. Now he's riding the elite one and getting third the first time around. When is the last time we've seen something like that? I think the closest thing to that was Avenipool showing up Renko, in, yeah. was it his in first Harrogate. year where he got second behind Dennis? Uh, yeah, so Remco and Harrogate, was it that, well, that was when he came third, right? And he was, how old was he there? That was in 2019. So he was, he came second when he was 19, in 2019. So well, we've well. actually seen someone do better than Tarling, and his name was Remco Evenepoel. <laughs> um, was that his Neopro year? I think so. It was, yeah, and he'd just come from club level, and 2018 he did the junior. So yeah, it's actually... Unfortunately for Tarling, we've seen something very recently um, like this, but it's good company to be in, uh, Remco Evenepoel. It means you're probably a pretty good rider, and I really think he will be uh, a good rider, more than a good rider. But, um, well, Van Aert, Benji, what do you think went wrong? No legs? Is it, the, is it the, what we've mentioned before about maybe the Yumbo set up on the flat over 50Ks an hour isn't as, as fast as it maybe was for, compared to the competition? I don't know, man. I genuinely don't know. We, we've spoken about the Yumbo TT setup so much this year, and I don't really know what to think anymore, because, like, Roglic's time trial was, like, in the Giro, the big one, the Montelusari one. That's not based on TT setup, necessarily, yeah. when it comes to the aerodynamics of, of the thing. His, his second T, what, was it his second TT? The TT yeah, that he had the before that? One. That was also a pretty good one. That was a flatter one, and there he lost some time initially, but towards the end, he actually got closer again. But then we get Vingago in the Tour de France, which is a hilly time trial. Could normal see was uphill and so forth. But a serious portion of that stage was still aerodynamic influenced, as in there was a flat portion. The last portion of the uphill was not super steep. So aerodynamics matter there. So when we take a look at this race, for example, aero matters. Let's be honest about it. Aero matters. It's said to be slow asphalt. People said that in the run-in of this week. In my head, that says, okay. That favors a Wout van Aert over a Remco then, because if it's low asphalt, then muscles, watts, matters more than the CDA overrider, but that really didn't come true today either. <laughs> so I don't yeah. know what to think anymore of van Aert's time trial. It wasn't a good one, that's for sure. I mean, yeah. he was, yeah, odds on to podium or probably better than that. And he, yeah, he got beaten by McNulty. McNulty, by the way. Like, he has pedigree in the time trial in the juniors and maybe U23. So it's not like McNulty's just come out of nowhere. I mean, when McNulty has the watts, he can do, you know, he can fly. Uh, but yeah, I think it was a really exciting TT. Kung, like, he was really disappointing. He he had a shocker, frankly. Like, where did he come? 12th, 217 down behind Foss. That's a really, yeah, that's not the performance he would have hoped for. That's really all I can pick out of it. I wasn't expecting Pogaccia to do too well. Like, the poor guy was very, very tired after the road race, and he did the Tour de France as well, obviously. So, yeah, it's... um The, the coverage, I will say, been a little bit disappointing. Like, not showing the favourites on course, not showing... Like, as a minimum, you shouldn't miss Avonapol or Ganna's, any of their intermediate time checks. Um, 
you just can't miss them. That's yeah what people are watching for. So maybe a little bit to improve, oh, a fair bit to improve on there, frankly. Um, wasn't the best production of TTs across the week that I've seen. But yeah, anything else from this, uh, this World Champs, Benji? It's, I mean, Remco... Um, yeah, it's just... I, he's just so good. Like, he... <laughs> <laughs> he is. Yeah, he is. I think it's very nice to see Tarling finish close. I love seeing that because I love seeing youngsters perform at a high level. He's not winning necessarily, but that doesn't that isn't necessary to have a wonderful performance. And in the coming years, he'll only step up from this spot. I'm curious to see what he can do in a in a cobble race, flat cobble race, or bay of the world and so forth. I think he's around 80 kilos on the bike, so that seems like the weight you want to be when it comes to the likes of Roubaix, but it's the same Ghana question, eh? Ghana at Roubaix was very interesting. He was strong in Roubaix, but he had 17 punctures along the way. And I believe that Atarling can also compete in a Roubaix in the, in the future, but that's something we'll need to see on the road. That's something we'll need to see evolve. I think we can conclude that Tobias Falls was basically a bit of a, a one-hit thing last year, yeah. which is not terrible. Like, know that. If I'm a one-hit wonder, I'd, I'd, I'll gladly have it be the World Championships. <laughs> yeah, I mean, true. And then you get a big contract from, yeah, the strong rumor is that uh, he's going to to Ineos, I believe. Yeah, so, rumor two million. No, that's what Haugland said that the agent offered to Uno X. I don't reckon. Oh, okay. So, but it's ballpark. You know, they're the numbers we're talking. So yeah, I would still take neither of us have won a world championships, but yeah, not the performance he hoped for. Uh, Oscar Chamberlain won the men's junior ITT, so Australia won both junior time trials. Thanks very much for coming. Uh, beating Ben Wiggins, uh, Bradley Wiggins' son, who, you know, might be, because Ineos don't have a development team, yep. I wouldn't be surprised to see him on Ineos next year, Alan Michael Leonard, uh, because they have like 15 riders on the contract. And I think tying a bow on the TT, Benji, that does segue us nicely into the discussion of Remco. And why is this relevant to the TT? Well, it's because on Spanish coverage, apparently Alberto Contador, and I really think... Uh, this is very like take with a grain of salt type stuff. Yeah. I really do think that, but um, he basically said Remco to Ineos is a done deal. And he's also bringing riders with him and it's just, it's imminent or something. Um, I don't know where, where's his, in like, do you, I, does Contador have a line to Brailsford and Ellingworth? Where's the relationship there? I don't know, but we need to add more context here for people that haven't been following the, the whole debacle, let's call it that, yeah. to be honest, that has been happening between uh, the Ineos rumors, Remco Evenepoel, Quickstep, Patrick Lefebvre, Remco Evenepoel's dad, who's basically his manager. That's been an entire mess for the last, I'd say, year already, if not a bit longer than a year, because I swear last year we had a, a segment on the podcast talking about Ineos and Remco rumors at some point in the year, but we've basically evolved here because we've had this drama in the media between... Remco Evenepoel's dad and Patrick Lefebvre. Basically, how can we contextualize this this well? What was the, the initial spark that set it off, you think? Uh, Evenepoel's father, he, he basically just, the two days or the day before the road race, started talking crazy, like nonsense. And then saying, oh, you know, he might not be on Quickstep next year. We're looking at all options. And it's... It clearly wasn't uh, well received by Lefebvre, who was like, "What the hell?" and said, "We're gonna if you leave breaking your contract, we'll sue you." Which uh, yeah. 
is what I would have said, and he's entitled to do. And then Remco said on the morning of the road race, both of them should basically stop talking. And I think that suggests to me that Remco didn't tell his dad to start leaking that. Why would he? Two days before his A-target one-day race of the year, the World Champs Road Race, have all that drama. What rider wants that? So not a good look from Patrick Avenpole at all. And uh, then it's kind of, it, it has gone quiet since Remco told him to be quiet, right? From those two. I think so as well. Now, to give more context, Remco's contract is rumored to not be the greatest contract in, in cycling. And we've basically already said that on the podcast as well, that we didn't expect that to be the best contract in cycling based on the way people are talking about it. But when it comes to Quickstep sponsoring, apparently according to Patrick Lefebvre, which is, it's an obvious thing that this is the case, sponsors signed up to support Quickstep because Remco's part of the team. Because they've got someone like Remco that could in the future end up winning a Grand Tour. So not only is Remco leaving results falling out, it's also sponsors potentially dropping out of the team and potentially the future of the team being hindered as a consequence. So that is something that is existent. Now, the way that Patrick Evenepoel is talking about it in the press and the way Patrick Lefebvre is talking about it in the press, the fact that he says, oh, I will see you and so forth, stuff like that, that suggests to me that this entire storyline feels like the contract between Quickstep and Remco feels like it can't be broken easily. And we had a rumor last year in Belgian media that the bonuses or something weren't paid out for Remco. And then a bit later, that was resolved according to another article a bit later in the year, towards the end of the year. So in time, it was paid. It's later than probably expected, but it was paid in time. So that if that's the case, that doesn't hinder the contract. And you, if you're Remco in that situation, then you can either choose to make Patrick Evenepoel's... Uh, no, Patrick Lefebvre, all these Patricks, man. And you're Patrick as well, my friend. Yeah. Jesus Christ, stop it. Stop calling your kids Patrick. But if, if you're Remco in that situation, you either have a watertight contract and then you can't do anything about it, or you break your watertight contract, if that's a watertight contract, and then you get sued into oblivion. Or the other option is, and I feel like that's what... Patrick, uh, Patrick Evenepoel's been trying in the media, based on how I view it, is trying to make the relationship sour so that Patrick Lefebvre doesn't enjoy it anymore and feels like mutually causing, agreeing to, to stop the contract, but that's never going to happen. Like, why would Lefebvre do that at any point? So, oh, sorry for the rant. But I don't get it right. I think Remco is paid, it must be paid reasonably well. Like, it, okay, it might not be, but you also have to look at the context in which he, he was signed up to that contract, which, by the way, Patrick Avenepoel was the agent who obviously recommended that contract, by the way, so not a lot of self-reflection clearly happening. Remco could have been terrible. I don't know when exactly the extension was signed, but he just had the crash in Lombardia, the Giro 21 disappointment. So Lefebvre was also taking a calculated risk too, uh, like he did with Jakobsen, by the way, after his Polonia crash. So... He could have been saddled with the five-year contract of somebody with a severe injury. Didn't happen. Remco's the world champ, but it's that's the, that's why it looks so bad now. And it also doesn't seem to be just money. Evenepoel said his father, Patrick Evenepoel, said the team needs to step up three or four things. They need more domestiques. Yeah. This more domestiques that. And I was like, I was trying to figure out like what does he mean? Because like 
he just won the world champs on the ITT. Mm-hmm. Clearly, the TT setup they got and the coaching support and whatever aerodynamics they got a quick step. They got him going fast on the TT bike. The climbing, like I think he just won the Vuelta with like three guys crashing out last year against Roglic. Is the team really yeah, but- that bad? I disagree with the take that the Vuelta shows that the team is good enough to win the Tour de France necessarily, but on, on the opposite end of that, you don't necessarily need a Jumbo level team to win the Tour de France. A lot of people then show towards the Tour de France of 2020, where Pogacar won basically with Jumbo as his team, because he benefited from the tactics Jumbo was doing. So I, I'm of the opinion that you do need a decent team to do a Grand Tour. But it's going to be hard to have a cuss-like rider in the first place. Now, there's rumors when it comes to Landa. There's rumors when it comes to George Bennett. I don't really see it with George Bennett unless he really steps up. Landa, I'm, I'm on the edge of. I don't know which Landa you're going to get if you get the Landa that is able to fight for top fives in GCs. But as your domestique, then he's going to be useful for you. So that's going to be useful. And the Landa that was at Sky, I'm not sure if that really matters anymore. But it does show that he can fold into a domestique role when he needs to, back in the day. But I'm also of the opinion, back to your take there for a second, you said, okay, the team should step up, that's what Patrick Evenepoel said and so forth in certain areas. I think the media side is also an area where they could step up, as in, I think Philo is leaving the press officer, and I feel like the, in the Giro, whatever happened with Kobe, we were we were complaining about it, like the way they were handling it, because it was actively creating criticism towards Remco that he didn't Dude, need at that moment. The team doctor was giving in-person interviews that yeah. were contradicting the official press releases. <laughs> so that's something they need to get better at. They need to be better at making sure Remco doesn't get scolded every second of his life because that must also put pressure on him. But when it comes to improving the, the climbing team... But is that I reasonable? Think- yeah, but he, next... he hasn't even gone to the tour. He has not even gone to That's the Tour of France point. yet. He has never done a world tour stage race, even in France. How can you <laughs> say if you're them, Lefebvre, why don't you have Sepp uh, Kuz, Nathan Van Hooydonk, Christophe Laporte level rider? It's a process. It's so, I think it's unreasonable to say they won a grand. He could have won. He's looking good to win the Giro. Like, yeah, there's things to improve, but man, the the, the they're acting like. The team is complete dog shit. And I think it, that is not the case at all. I agree in some shape or form. I do believe in the Giro that some riders were weaker than we expected beforehand. I think Hirt hasn't been up to standards. But they did sign Hirt for Remco. Yeah. They did end up signing Von Wilder from DSM. I think that's also as a part of the process when it comes to Remco, Vervaka before. So they've made signings, but then they've also spent money on a medalier here and there, which... Now that Jakobsen's gone, that's fine. Jakobsen being replaced by the officially confirmed Lamperti, young sprinter American, also classics kind of yeah. rider maybe. Cost saving there. Exactly, a lot of cost savings. So that money can go towards the likes of Orlando if that is indeed happening, stuff like that. So I don't know. I have no confidence in this Contador rumor at all. I don't really care what he's saying. I don't trust him. Well, that, and that pivots then to why is it, where's this rumor? So I just said the Quick Step team for all intents and purposes, is fine. Now, there's been flirting and a lot of flirting with Ineos, not really through Remco at all, but, you know, he's very friendly with Geraint Thomas. When Geraint Thomas did his podcast with his agent, McQuaid, McQuaid asked, G, how much would you? Um, 
you know, buy out? If you were Sir Jim Ratcliffe, a very pointed question, how much would you buy out Remco for? And yeah. so it's clearly something not just being discussed privately, they literally discussed it publicly. And then in the recent What's Occurring Before the Worlds that Remco was on with Thomas and Rowe, they joked as he, after he left the call, like we'll see him on Ineos next year or something. So that's them just joking, but it's these jokes have been going on for a long time and Brailsford was asked about it. And it's clear that like Avonapool's father must think Ineos is a better place for him to win the Tour de France or perform at the Tour de France. Um, I really don't see a big difference between the two teams supporting the Remco. Or the riders. All sort of stuff. Both. Yeah, like people, and everyone, I said that on Twitter and people said, you're crazy, but you're, we are not living in 2015 Sky, 2016 Sky Day. <laughs> we are not living there. Like, we, that we're not. <laughs> and so, you know, Aaronsman, does he want to be Remco's domestique? May I may probably do it, but you know, does G want to do it? I don't know. So I think it's not he's not gonna to go to Ineos and just win the tour because Ineos is so much better than Quickstep. I think that's yeah. actually a very grass is greener look from if if you think that, but also maybe he just wants to leverage it up to get a pay rise. Maybe this is all noise to just get a pay rise. Potentially. I do feel like the Ineos comparison was more the case one and a half years ago, two years ago, when it started, or a year ago when it started. But at this point, we're getting to the point where it's closer than ever because Ineos is going downhill while... Gagan Hart just announced he was leaving. For example, even though I'm not sure he would have fit in the team for support of Remco anyway, I don't think Hart would have done that in the first place. Sivakov gone. Yeah, Sivakov leaving and there's... We don't know the situation about Carlos Rodriguez yet. Um, I don't know. The thing with Ineos as well is I do think they would handle the press side of things better. Oh, yeah, I agree. I don't think Patrick Evenepoel would be as loud as he is in the media if he was a manager with Ineos by his side. Then again, he might be happier with the money at that point, but it's all a situation. In general, I just have this opinion. I feel like a lot of talk is happening above Remco between Patrick Evenepoel and Patrick Lefebvre. And I feel like Remco just wants to focus on the races and this is hindering him from doing that. Yeah, I, th I agree. I think it's really disappointing to see to see that bickering before one of his A targets of the year is really disappointing. And you want it they're anyway. not they're not or, doing well. they're not doing him any favors. Like imagine mentally, yeah. it'd be tough dealing with that before the road race. So, but yeah, there's also rumors that maybe Contador's right. There's also rumors there's a merger between the two teams. Both of them have like 15 riders under contract for next year announced. <laughs> And so you could you could merge the two teams, mate. Then the the rumor of Remco bringing a few riders means that he's bringing the entire team. <laughs> well, it's not many people. <laughs> That's true. It's not many people under contract at Quickstep next year, nor Ineos announced. So that's theoretic. I don't know if that's actually possible. To I think it is. Didn't Intermarche merge? Did Israel merge? Katusha. Uh. I don't know, but it is physically possible to do that. But then one of the teams will not own the UCI license of the team or one of the... Then it's either Bacala or Ratcliffe that would be owning the, the I, UCI license. Don't you think they'd be okay with that? With one of them owning it and the other one not owning it? I don't know. Maybe a minority Ownership owner. is a lot for rich people. Maybe a minority owner. Yeah. If you're a rich guy, I want to own all of it. Yeah, but 
in this world, Remco is not winning the tour because we need to go to Ineos and Remco, <laughs> this is like the way of everyone gets made happy. Lefebvre and Lefebvre and Bacala get, get paid out wait. for their license. Quickstep comes across those 15 riders. Ratcliffe's the majority owner of um, the new Ineos, which has those riders across. But if you do merge like that, doesn't your contract of Remco stay the same? Or will that be nullified in the same way that no, I think Wout van Aert tried to leave Rompot or what? No, not Rompot, the other one, Paul Salzen. Willems, Krell and Salzen, yeah. Bol and Mayonnaise. <laughs> Mayonnaise, yeah. <laughs> I think that means, yes, all the riders can maybe break their contracts. I don't know. That, that would be a... I'd love to be the M&A lawyer on that one. If you need one, <laughs> if you need somebody. <laughs> My hourly rate is, is high. Um, anyway, that's, it's just been a lot of rumors. Do you think this what, what, puts you on the spot, Benji? What do you think happens? I think he stays Does it depend at, on the Vuelta? No, I think he stays at Quickstep. I, I agree. I think he like, stays at Quickstep and the team stays exactly the same for 24. Well, I think they're building on the team, as in the rumors. If the rumors oh, yeah, come land, true, with then... Lando. But I mean, like, no new sponsors, no merging. I think Quickstep with Remco, with his support staff, with maybe Lando in, and I think this is a lot of talk for nothing happening. I think so as well. Anyway, we'll see him in those ITT bands at the Vuelta. That's something to look forward to. Uh, but yeah, we. I don't know if we'd really covered it off, but... When yeah, is this ITT? Is at the start, or...? No, it's a team time trial in Barcelona, so maybe he's in the... Red jersey already. Red jersey already. <laughs> um, by then, possible. Is he in... The... Yeah, so that's been happening. Uh, a lot of rumors. Let us know what you think. Where should Remco land? Will he stay at Quickstep? Uh, because, yeah, I think we're going to see some more sniping before uh, and some My bickering man. in the press before the day Who is the done. team. As a YouTuber, you have to join it. What do you mean? As a YouTuber, Remco now has to join to the Titima cycling team. He could. I mean, have they got the money for him? I don't know. No clue. They're anyway, going to pro tour, so I don't know. Maybe he joins Israel with the um, Chris Froome oh, YouTuber. He won Tour de France. That's the other rumor. Anyway, thanks for listening as always to the World Chance. We'll have the women's road race preview recording tomorrow morning, so stay tuned for that, and we'll see you then. Ciao.